0: Your organization has a known culture, whether you're aware of it or not. So what is the world saying about your organization? You're listening to the Building a Coaching Culture podcast. If you need to compete and win in the 21st century labor market as an employer of choice, this podcast is for you. Each week we share leadership development, coaching, and culture development insights from leading experts who are developing world-class cultures in their own organizations. And now, here's your host, J.R. Flatter. Hey, welcome everyone. My name is J.R. Flatter, and I'm the founder and the chairman of Two Roads Leadership. I'm your host of Building a Coaching Culture. We're Well, into the 21st century, Y2K is way behind us, if you can even remember that far back. Leadership is changing. A lot of the fundamentals are staying the same, but employees' expectations of their uh, employers is changing. It's much more of a freelance labor market where people are loyal to their craft more than they're loyal to an organization. So how do you become an employer of choice in that kind of environment? How do you attract and retain world-class talent in that kind of environment? That's what this podcast is all about. Any industry, any size, whether you're doing mostly B2B, B2C, everybody needs a coaching culture in the 21st century. So right now, anybody can communicate with anybody anywhere in the world within seconds with a lot of clarity and emotion showing through in those communications. And so your organization has a known culture, whether you're aware of it or not. So what is the world saying about your organization? Is it a place that has a familial atmosphere? Do you feel like you're home when you come to work? And certainly we don't replicate home exactly at work, but you can do a lot in an organization to create a familial culture. And we're gonna mention a lot of books in, in, our, in this podcast, and so we'll, we'll drop the names and the authors. There's a book by a gentleman, Daniel Coyle, C-O-Y-L-E, who wrote a book called The Culture Code. And a lot of the ideas you and I use come from that book and, and other books that we'll mention as time goes on. But Daniel says there's three things you need to build a culture. A sense of family. And so the world knows whether or not you have that. A sense of safety within that family. And I don't necessarily mean physical safety, but that's certainly part of it. You know, that's part of our world nowadays, making sure we're physically safe. But are we emotionally safe? Are we intellectually safe? Do you feel free? So you're an employee here. Do you feel free being who you are? And obviously, by the clothes you're wearing and the hair you're wearing, you do feel free.
1: Yeah, no one's telling me to leave and get a haircut, <laughs> so that's a positive.
0: You feel safe uh, when you have an idea of bringing that idea to anyone in the organization, the CEO, me, the chief learning officer, your team that works for you and with you. So that's what some of that safety is all about. But also across any other demographic you might identify, So the third thing that Coyle tells us, so family, safety, and then opportunity. Does everyone in the organization feel they have the same opportunities to advance, to achieve all of this at an intersection of the personal and the professional? So your work family is interested in your personal and professional achievements, because we feel that's a really central component of a 21st century culture. Familial, safe with opportunity, but also at the intersection of personal and professional achievement.
1: Can we touch on the coaching relationship a little bit? Like, it's almost like we're talking about things that you don't talk about at work, right? Like, how are you taking care of yourself? Even like talking about your family too much. It's like, you want to open up these avenues of conversation that aren't very common in the workplace. So... How do you broach those subjects and have that confidentiality that you would
0: need yeah it's it's it is confidentiality within the coaching relationship, but it's also acceptance of those conversations at work, so yeah, absolutely the coaching relationship is hundred percent confidential, certainly there are boundaries there, but the second half of your question, an equally important part of your question about Being able to talk about those things in your organization, absolutely central to 21st century leadership, that you have a culture willing to have those conversations, willing to encourage those conversations, willing to encourage and support a professional achievement. Likewise, supporting, solving personal challenges. More and more, you as a leader in an organization need to very explicitly make that part of your leadership. You go back to family, safety, opportunity. Do you feel safe having those conversations at work? Do you feel safe telling somebody, hey, it's four o'clock, I got to go pick up my son. Or it's three o'clock, I got to go to a soccer game. That's what a, the 21st century culture uh, that we're talking about encourages and accepts
1: something that I think is important nowadays as well with you know millennials and younger people is that sense of authenticity because Mm -hmm. you might hear like a company say um we're like family and it it can almost be like a red flag because you might think oh they they just want me to like stay extra hours or or they're just saying that to get me to you know put in more effort. What do you say to those people that are kind of like skeptical of those buzzwords?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a perennial question whenever anyone's thinking about joining your organization. And they're doing homework, looking in the blogosphere, trying to find out who you are and what you're all about. So for us, it comes down to communicating your culture. So writing it down and being very explicit about it embedding it in your strategic documents, embedding it in your comments when you're talking to your team. But equally important and probably even more important, are, are you communicating your culture, but are you also demonstrating your culture? So do you come in in the middle of the night and leave in the middle of the night and expect everyone else to do that? We used to call that lights to lights. You're the guy turning the lights on in the morning, you're the guy turning the lights off in the evening you're probably not sending the best message if work-family self-balance is a communicated part of your culture. And so how do you communicate your culture? You communicate it in your leadership. You communicate it in your actions. You communicate it in your documents. But then you demonstrate it in every action that you do as a leader or a team member in that organization.
1: Can we talk about the people that are kind of driving forces of the culture and their organizations like who who are the people that are going learning about coaching you know coaching their employees doing all of that and and what would you say to them
0: so the flippant answer is everyone right, but that doesn't answer your question but it's true everyone in the organization is responsible for the culture whether they know it or not and so the c-suite in how they're writing policy, how they're communicating policy, how they're leading. So that communication and demonstration piece, again, they're building the culture every day. Certainly human resources has a huge role to play because they're the primary owner and uh, they assist greatly in the development of policy. And so core values, which are central to culture, are part of that policy, that part of that documented policy. And then the team members themselves, irrespective of where they might be in the organization, how they're communicating the culture and therefore how they're demonstrating the culture is where the rubber meets the road. So, as the CEO or the chairman or the chief learning officer, I can be communicating and demonstrating, but is the team by their actions communicating and demonstrating the culture? So, everybody plays a role large complex organizations that succeed in these cultural transformations. The C-suite is certainly deeply involved. HR is certainly deeply involved. And everyone's very explicit about the culture. It gets embedded in every document. It gets mentioned in every comment. Uh, It gets demonstrated in every action. So we're very clear about creating a culture for the 21st century. What does that mean? Uh, What did it look like in the 20th century? And what does it look like in the 21st century? But as a leader of an organization, what does that mean to you about how could you go about changing that culture? Maybe you have a great culture and you want a world-class culture. Maybe your culture is really hurting and you need to to do some repair. So there's some mind shifts that you need. And, And you just mentioned this idea of being emotionally intelligent, a lot of what you and I are going to talk about on this podcast involves emotional intelligence. So the first thing I would like you to think about if you're starting to go down this path is the world is your oyster. I want you to unanchor your culture from what it is. You and I are both coaches, and one of the things we coach on is perception. And so if you have a perception of your culture, I want you to unfreeze that perception and allow it to change and allow it to grow. So that'd be one of the first growth mindset opportunities if you were gonna come down this path to changing your culture to a 21st century culture. There's a couple realities of this 21st century freelance labor market. It's hyper-competitive and that hyper-competition is here to stay. I don't think you're gonna see a change anytime soon So what are we as leaders thinking 30 years into the future going to do about that? And secondly, culture is a huge component of becoming an employer of choice. So what are we going to do to change our culture to become that employer of choice? From the world of economics, there's this idea of utility. And utility is a fancy way of saying, what value do you place on something? You have a value, I have a value, our listeners all have a value for all the different things in the world. And the classic example of utility is the diamond water paradox. Why is a diamond so valuable, yet it doesn't sustain any life and water is nearly free and it sustains all life? Because a huge number of people give strong high value utility to diamonds and water is pervasive The same thing is true of your culture. Your culture is as valuable as the leader you're trying to entice to come to work for you is. Culture might not be important to you at all. I hope that it is, but all these people that you're trying to attract to come to your team, or if they're already here to stay on your team, they're making that comparison all day, every day. Do I wanna get up in the morning and come to work here? That is entirely their decision. In this hyper-competitive labor market with uh, near full employment, they literally can work anywhere they want, physically and literally from their employer's stance. It's a much more freelance labor market where loyalty is to the craft rather than to the company. And so that goes directly to the bottom line. Of what is your culture?
1: It's not just buying a ping pong table and, you know, <laughs> like it's not the super- yeah.
0: What kind of sushi are you serving at lunch? Yeah, that's not going to cut it.
1: That's something that you see a lot. It's like, okay, the facade of culture and, you know, like we were talking about earlier with the inauthenticity, like it needs to be part of the identity of the company and, and I need to be able to see that as a potential employee when Mm -hmm. I'm searching for the company. So I guess that's the big challenge.
0: Another component that we talked about earlier that I'd like to take a minute to focus on is this idea of work, family, and self. Three components purposefully. How important is work to you and how important is work to your team? How important is family to you and how important is family to your team? We already talked about Daniel Coyle. He considers family as one of the most important characteristics of a strong culture. 21st century employees want work-family self-balance, and they want to work for a company that is interested and encourages them in the growth of their work, the growth of their family, and the growth of them as individuals. They want to be able to work remotely. They want to be able to work asynchronously, so not necessarily the same hours you're working. So work-family self is certainly a central component of building a coaching culture. When you think about going down this path, it's kind of a third, a third, and a third. It's a third building your leadership development and your leadership bench strength. It's a third internal and external coaches. And so we will provide you external coaches and you will build internal coaches. You need both. And thirdly, Communicating and demonstrating your core values. You think about your life as a leader and building a coaching culture. Those are the three circles of the Venn diagram that you're going to be spending your time on. Building the depth of leadership, internal and external coaching, and communicating and demonstrating your core values. Well, that concludes this episode of Building a Coaching Culture. I truly hope that this episode was helpful to you. If it was, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Maybe stop and give us a rating or review and share this podcast with someone who might find it helpful as well. Thanks again and we'll see you next time.